Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at SoberGratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Sober Gratitudes podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitudes mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and the host of this wonderful podcast that I love so much because I get to meet incredible people who inspire me. And today, I'm so excited to have on our show a woman who is helping other women in a very serious way because of her experiences in life. Um, and her name is Tanya Arupka. I'm saying that right, right? Arupka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and most of you, I, I know a lot of you probably know her. Um, and if you don't, you can find her on Instagram at Tanya Heals. And she is, um, would you say a, a life coach or inner alignment life coach? Yep. Is that correct? Okay. And she helps to empower women to transform all aspects of their lives by turning inward for the answers they seek rather than looking externally. We have the power within us to be the best versions of ourselves today. This is what she wrote on her Facebook 
page, which is Tanya Arepka Life Coaching. So excited to have you on my show today, Tanya. It took us some time, but you're finally here, so welcome. Thank you. So honored to be here. So, How are you today? Doing fantastic. So excited to finally be here. Good, good. Well, let's just get started right off the bat. How did you move from a place of active alcoholism to where you are now, where you are helping women um, doing it for, for um, a career? This is yeah. life. This is your life calling. Well, I would say, first of all, it was um, divinely guided. It was my time and it meant coming down and being at my knees in full surrender. Um, it meant uh, a full reckoning with everything that I had been avoiding my whole life because avoidance is um, unfortunately something that drives more of us than, than it should. And I was living in avoidance my whole life and I didn't recognize that. And um, what I was doing in, throughout my life in various ways was trying to soothe a nervous system, which is what I've come to understand what was happening within my body and my mind was, I was trying to soothe a nervous system that was very dysregulated starting in childhood. I was raised in um, a home with a functioning and a non-functioning alcoholic, uh, alcoholic parents. Um, so for the first like 11 years of my life, I lived in, in dysfunction, trauma, unpredictability. Um, I was basically, and this is, this is really hard to hear, but because I'm as healthy as I am today, now that I've done the inner work and I've removed alcohol from my life, it, it is, it's not painful anymore. But like my mother used to say, because she was the non-functioning alcoholic, she used to say, um, everything would be fine if you had never been born. Right. So that's like a dagger to the heart. Like, but I always, I share this because it shows how traumatic and deep my daily traumas were. I mean, this was a daily thing. Anytime she drank, I was the oldest and I would get her in trouble because I would tattle, you know, quote unquote, um, and something would happen. She would be removed from the home or she would be put in her, in a bedroom or she would be shipped off some somewhere. And then it would be on me and she would say that I'm destroying the family. This is all my fault. And that is how I was raised to believe that I was wrong. I was unworthy. I shouldn't be alive. And it is not obviously what a child's developmental and impressionable years are supposed to be based on. So just to give you a framework of like, where I came from and where I am now. Um, so that was the foundation of my life. And my nervous system was therefore throughout 
decades of my life in search of relief. I was, I was a beaming, smiling, outgoing, happy seeming girl forever, you know, in whatever journey I was in, whether it was the season of high school, college, graduation, you know, post-graduation, I seemed fine on the outside, but inside I was suffering, but I didn't know it. Even though I'd been doing therapy for what I had gone through, the attention was never being placed on the things that I was using to try and soothe my nervous system and my traumas. Um, and we were always looking at the scenarios at play, but we were never really getting to the root of the problem. And I was using food to soothe, and then I was using alcohol to soothe, and I didn't recognize this. Um, the journey changed. So in college, the signs were there that alcohol was not supposed to be a part of my life. But I chalked it up to this is par for the course. You know, we all end up with our head in the toilet on a Saturday night. Um, looking back, I was the only one with the head in the toilet. <laughs> Everyone was holding my hair back. Um, then later on, after graduation from college, I would say that's where I had sort of my most acceptable relationship with alcohol. Uh, I didn't seem to be using it as much in looking back. Uh, but there were always is incidences that were very, very uh, negative, you know, um, things that were dangerous that my alcohol was causing me to do, um, scenarios that I was getting myself in that, you know, I lived through that I shouldn't have been in. And then when I became a mother, that is when everything really catapulted. That is where the catalyst of, I was still trying to deal with my own emotions and all of a sudden, and I didn't know it at the time, um, I was trying to now deal with the well-being and the emotional health of three babies and still trying to deal with my inner child, still trying to to love and accept and care for my own little self. This is all what I've come to realize since I've stopped drinking. Um, at the time, I was just in survival mode. So what happened was I basically started mimicking the exact behaviors of my functioning alcoholic parent. I chose sophisticated wine a wine relationship. It's very sophisticated, it's romantic, it's beautiful. Um, you know, you pair it with food. It just seems so much more acceptable at the end of the day. So all of a sudden, I am a woman who is raising three small children. Um, and every single night, I had wine. Before I knew it, the wine bottles I was going through wine bottles, like one glass of wine wasn't enough, two wasn't enough. And what I now understand was if I had two glasses, I was not stopping. Three glasses, I was not myself anymore. 
and it was really, really dangerous. Um, it did a job on my marriage. Um, it did a job on my parenting and everything was justified like we do in our life. We were just so, um, part of this survival mechanism is to justify by all means, whatever we have to do to justify our behavior. Um, it's like that, you know, we are in the, in the back brain, uh, functioning and we will do whatever we need to do to survive. And that is what I did. I would say I was in the worst throes of it for about five years. And I never had a rock bottom, quote unquote. And what I think is so important for women and, and men too, I say women's, I, I default to that just because I work with women, but um, not everybody who has a quote unquote problem with alcohol is going to have that rock bottom. We don't need to be waiting for the rock bottom. We need to be listening to our inner compass, to our inner voice, and to our inner knowing, because it's always speaking to us. And this is where it gets very complicated for addicts. I speak about alcohol because that was my drug of choice. Um, but because our brain is literally not functioning as it's supposed to, because it is a drug and it's altering our brain, it is so much harder to be connected to that inner voice and that inner knowing. And, um, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection and connection with other people, but really also connection with ourselves. And what happened with me was, it was one, it was another Saturday morning. I woke up and nothing new had happened. It was the same old thing. I opened my eyes and I was piecing the puzzle pieces together from the night before, trying to figure out what did I say? Who did I see? What did I do? Um, there was red wine, once again, spilled on my white summer spring outfit, nothing new. And I went outside to the patio and I can remember it was just this warm, beautiful, sunny day. And my husband looked at me and he just looked at me with these eyes that were like, I feel so badly for you, Tanya. But also this look of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, he didn't even say any words. It was just, and that's why I say it was just this divine moment where we don't have to have this car crash. We don't have to have something really catastrophic happen. It was just this moment where I felt something in my body, in my heart, in everything. Like I've never known anything before. Mm he didn't say anything to me and it was my moment to just be with myself. And I remember sitting there, he got up and he walked inside and I sat with the warm sun on my back. And, and I say this because I realized that I actually wasn't feeling much. Like I really wasn't feeling much at all. 
for the past, that past five years. And I remember feeling the sun and feeling in my body and knowing all of a sudden that I would never, ever pick up a drink again. And I never set out to get sober. I did not sit there and say, I am going to get sober. I am not going to drink anymore. I just knew that I needed to save myself. I needed to get healthy. And what that meant for me was taking out the one thing that seemed to be ruining everything for me, which was alcohol. And in my journey of removing something that was destroying my life, I healed and through my healing, I, I never wanted to pick up alcohol again. The healthier and healthier I got and the more connected I was able to get to my truth and to listen to my inner voice again and get to really know, I say like know, like, and trust. I got to know myself, who I was for the first time in my life, I actually got to start liking myself for the first time in my life. And I got to trust myself for the first time in my life. And I truly believe that is what has carried my sobriety is the foundation that so many of us in this journey of addiction, we have that crack. We have that massive hole where we're supposed to have that know, like, and trust factor. We're supposed to have a connection with ourselves. We're supposed to like ourselves. This is what we're, we're born with this. This is our, our innate gift is fully loving ourselves, fully trusting ourselves, and with no judgment, no self-comparison. And what happens is, our ego mind starts cracking that chipping 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 and then all of a sudden in you know when when addiction shows up it tends to show up well it's earlier and earlier now but adolescent years teen years your college and then so <clears throat> so for me what has been the foundation of my sobriety has been that inner healing that return to myself, to that inner power, I found that I had all of the answers I needed within me to be who I wanted to be, to feel the way I wanted to feel, to make choices that felt aligned for me. And that is what carries me through my day to a point now, almost 11 years. So I'll be 11 years sober on um, May 1st. So I'm about a couple of months away now from my 11 year anniversary. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredible to, to be alive for the first time. You know, I really truly believe that um, the removal of the drug now, this was the same thing that I was doing with food in college. And I was able to work through that and heal that. Alcohol took a lot longer because it showed up in various seasons of my life in different ways. Um, but 
you know, we need to eat to live. So food I can't remove from my life. I had to figure that one out. Alcohol will never, ever be in my life again. Um, and so for what I get to do in my journey with women is really support them, not so much in saying, okay, how do we remove the, um, the, the alcohol or the food or the shopping addiction or, you know, say gambling, sex addiction, whatever it may be. We're not focused on how do we remove that. It's about how do we tap back in and heal ourselves so we don't rely on that anymore. Um, and what happens then is we are no longer feeling like we're the victim, right? So when we're fear feeling powerless, like I was powerless my whole life, I thought, and I was a victim my whole life, I thought. I was in victim mode. And um, for example, I just went through a medical situation where I was diagnosed with a brain condition um, in the spring of 2019, uh, which meant that I inevitably ended up having to have brain surgery. And for anyone who's suffering and not empowered within themselves and uh, suffering with an addiction to soothe that victim mentality, no matter what happens, it can be that somebody bumped into you in the grocery store. It can be that, um, you know, a package that you ordered didn't arrive at your house. It could be that someone didn't invite you to an event. It can be that you need brain surgery. It doesn't matter what it is. You are so consumed. We, one, is so consumed with that victim place that it drives you even more towards the one thing that's keeping you in victim mode, which is your numbing agent, which is that false band-aid, that false thing that's going to make you feel less of a victim. So when I got diagnosed, if I had been still drinking, I would have turned to the one thing that was keeping me in victim mode to make me feel even worse and to, to really hold back the what was supposed to be happening in that moment of this diagnosis which was to learn something i truly believe that we are things happen for us not to us and <clears throat> when this brain diagnosis happened i received it as something that i needed to go through in my journey in this lifetime and it was not fun, it was not easy, it was very, very scary. But what happened, what the lesson was for me, was a surrendering like I've never surrendered before. So um, I had really had to let go of, of the part of myself that's still that inner child piece that was continuing to try and control everyone, to control scenarios, and I don't mean control everyone in a negative way. I mean control everything, meaning that I was wanting to make sure everybody was okay, because that was my role as a child. And for your listeners, I think a lot of them likely have roles that they're continuing to hold on to. 
And <clears throat> sometimes you have to have a life event happen like I did with my brain diagnosis where I couldn't help anyone anymore. I was not functioning. I couldn't drive a car. I was losing my speech. I was losing my mobility. And I literally was not allowed physically, mentally to be that caretaker anymore. And for an entire year, I relinquished that control. And this was just last year? I'm sorry. Yeah, so wow. 2019, I was diagnosed. Um, for six months, I was requested by my neurologist to try physical therapy to um, alleviate the symptoms. So I went through six months of debilitating symptoms that were not helped by physical therapy. So for six months, I basically all of a sudden wasn't able to be the caretaker for my family anymore. And again, that's where I realized the next level of, of healing I needed to do in this life journey. And I had the surgery a week before COVID lockdown. So we went into lockdown universally here um, on the 13th of March and I was just out of the hospital. And again, the surrendering continued. My family's in COVID lockdown and I have just made it through brain surgery and I am not able to make sure that everything's perfect for my family, et cetera, et cetera. If I had been drinking, I mean, gosh, on so many levels, everything would have been night and day. But the blessing was, was I had the wherewithal to take this as it should be and um, learn from the experience. So I haven't stopped talking since you asked me this question. <laughs> so I was going to say, you are like the easiest person to interview because it's like, oh you know, gosh. you're like answering all the questions I want to oh ask my gosh, you. Sarah. You're amazing. No, you really, truly are amazing. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. You, you gave such a incredible information about your experience and how you got to where you are now. And I did, I, I don't know if you saw me like scribbling away, like some questions that I wanted to ask right. you, um, <laughs> just because I think you're amazing, first of all, and just to, to reflect on your, your recent, just what we left with, with you having your brain surgery and how that kind of, that you didn't go to that, that default of drinking from 10 years prior, <clears throat> and rather you applied the tools that you know how to get through difficult experiences, whatever level they are on that spectrum of, you know, difficult experiences and say, okay, what's happening? This is happening for me, not to me. I love that. I wrote that down. Um, yeah. But what I'm most curious to know right off the bat is when you woke up that one morning 11 years ago, and there, you didn't have a rock bottom. And I truly agree with you. I don't feel like that we have to wait for, you know, a, a second DUI or DUI or, or you know, um, manslaughter. Well, we don't have to wait to move from wine to a gallon of vodka. Like, or right. I don't even know, is there such a thing as a gallon of vodka? I didn't drink hard alcohol. I don't even right. know. Right. Like, it's a feeling. I, I totally yeah. agree. I, I feel exactly the same. I think that's the truth in all of us. Um, well, that's just my opinion. That's my experience yes. from what I've seen. So for you, you, you didn't have a Tanya Arupka, um, life uh, coach in your life. Yeah. 
yes. to, to guide you through finding inner alignment. So what was it, what was the, was it for you that brought mm. you to a place of kind of this, uh, maybe that Oprah aha moment, or I don't know how you would define it, but what was it for you? So in that moment, sitting out on the, on the patio, I, I believe, I really believe it was the inner child in me, the little piece of me that had been begging, begging to feel alive and to heal and to step into life finally, because I, on paper, looked so successful. I had an interior design business that I was, I had created on my own. I had a retail design store. I had three beautiful children, my husband, two dogs, a house in the suburbs, um, family and friends. On paper, I looked like everything you could ever want, but I truly don't believe I was living. I had no joy. I had no contentment. I had no inner peace. I, I always felt frenetic. I felt like I was in a frenetic energy. And I, I believe that was my search, continuous search for who I was to make sense out of my life, to make sense out of who I was. Because going back to my mom telling me every day that I was wrong, to even be alive like that is what was in my heart that was in my dna that was in my tissues you know that was like and honestly i just believe that it was divinely guided my little inner child sitting inside me saying please can we can we stop this mm. can we live can we can we feel at peace can we stop feeling like honestly my body every single day I explain it that I, I could not wait. I could make, maybe make it eight hours in my day. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I can't be in my body. I can't be in my brain anymore. I am so tired by, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. I was ready to get out of my head. I was, I was done worrying about what everybody was thinking about me. I was worried about everybody's judgments that I thought they were making about me. I was done worrying about everybody else's needs and not my own. Um, it was so overwhelming and I was turning to the wine because it was my only way to get out of my own brain and my own body. And I honestly think on that patio, it's like, I remember, like I said, feeling sunshine on my back and just being anchored and feeling myself sitting there for the first time. And it was like, I stopped hmm. and I got in a bath. I, I, so I don't know even know how I made it through that day. Like, I don't even remember what happened. I just, I think I pretty much stayed in bed and just kind of like tried to figure out how I was going to do this. Mm. And then the next day, um, we were having my son's birthday party and all of the family was going to be there. And it was probably going to be the first time that I'd ever had to post something socially, be around family members that literally 
made me crawl out of my skin. You know, because I judged myself so deeply, every part of me was wrong. So I projected that every single person was looking at me in a negative way. Mm -hmm. How am I going to be around all of these people, make sure everything's perfect for them, make sure it's the perfect birthday party for my child. He has the best 10th birthday of his life. Meanwhile, feeling like everybody's judging me. I'm judging myself. I got in a bath and I remember some of your listeners may relate to this. I got into a bath, which bath is my place. Like I, when I'm in water, I just... I just go to a different place. I'm just so relaxed and centered in my body. And I got into the bath and I remember crying and crying and crying. I blogged about this. Um, if there's a blog post, if anybody wants to go to my website and look. Um, and I cried like I've never cried in my life. My throat felt like it was going to rip open. Everything that I'd been holding inside started coming out everything that i was suppressing with alcohol all of the pain all of this the emotions the uncomfortable emotions that i had been trying to keep away with alcohol and food prior were literally like coming out of me and my throat felt like it was going to rip open i remember just almost feeling like convulsing it's kind of as strange as it sounds. It was like practically like an extra, what's the word? Um, exorcism. Exorcism. Yes. Yeah, it no, really yeah, kind of. felt like that. And I, it was part of my process. It was what was supposed to happen and it was a massive release. And um, that's a, can I just ask, was that, was that the day before the birthday? Or that the was day in the after morning. The morning. That was in the morning. They were all coming in the afternoon, and I just got into the water and just released. Oh my gosh! And you didn't drink at all that day. I did not drink. So you really had some kind of divine intervention then. Totally, totally, one hundred percent. Like there couldn't have been a worst case scenario for my first day. It's not like I got to sit in my bedroom all day on my first day. My day one was like, guess what, Tanya? You're an effing inner warrior. You've been one your whole life and you do things big. So here you go. We're gonna put all of the players in your house. I have a family member that basically mirrored exactly what my mother did to me and many people did to me in my childhood, which is a whole other podcast, but <laughs> she mirrored in, in my present day exactly what was happening to me as a child. She wrongs me. She says I'm too much. I was told many times when I was little, I was too much by family members because my grandmother loved me apparently more than others and which was not true, but I was have being presented with another person in my life to give me a lesson that I had not fully healed from, from my childhood. This person was going to be in my house that day too. Mm. The most problematic player in my life 
And I had to just, I had to do it. I had to do it. And you know, I want to add why, why did I decide in that moment, no alcohol at all? Because I have other family members who still struggle with alcohol. They have tried moderation. I have seen it. And for me personally, it was not going to work. And I like to add that for the listeners, because I do not by any means say that you have to stop completely. Everybody's journey is different and you will know what works for you and you will go through the process and the journey that is right for you. Um, also, another thing I should add is, and I do not promote this whatsoever, I did this all by myself. I, I did not go to AA. I did not have an alcohol um, counselor. I did not go through any programs whatsoever. I didn't realize how beneficial these communities and this support is. I just did it on my own. What happened was in COVID, something beautiful happened for me, which was this online community that we had to all, you know, uh, turn to during COVID times. All of a sudden, I'm on the computer and I'm seeing these beautiful communities and these, these Instagram um, handles like yours, podcasts, um, the, the groups, and I started joining. And now, almost 11 years later, I have the community that I wish I had had then. And I'm getting what I need now, right? So I don't judge myself. I don't, and again, this is the thing, we judge our process. We, we're so quick to judge our process, so quick. And that's why we get ourselves in the situations we do. And in my healing, my emotional sobriety, and that's another thing is we have sobriety, but we also have the emotional sobriety. Mm -hmm. I think I dove really deep into the emotional sobriety right away because I went gangbusters on all self-development, you know, the personal development, healing the inner child, doing that work. So if I had tried to do sobriety on my own and hadn't also been focusing on my emotional, spiritual sobriety, I think I would have been, I, I can't say I would have done it wrong. But because I had the wherewithal to do both, I think my journey was okay you know like how am i trying to see you know what i mean yeah 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 it it's it's happened how it's meant to happen it's exactly but i really everybody's journey is is different yeah it's remarkable that you did this on your own really i don't think i've ever i've met a lot of people who mm -hmm. are like dry drunks you know they yeah. um they don't drink but they they haven't done the inner work, which I think is essential for most of us who use alcohol and drugs or food or gambling yeah. or sex or whatever as, as a way to escape uh, or numb uncomfortable uh, emotions or feelings. And the fact that you, I mean, really such a profoundly spiritual divine intervention that you had, um, I'm not going to ever forget this story. I mean, I'm glad it's recorded so I can listen to it again. It's beautiful. And then, and, and then you had it, what you, 
you stayed in your profession of interior design until just oh. recently? Is that like that right. I, in terms of timeline? Yeah. So what happened was, okay, so as I'm healing, and I just, I want to add that I did do, so I dove deep into, into my healing through things like somatic work, okay. um, acupuncture. Um, I did a lot of inner child healing. You know, I did okay. things that weren't specifically focused on the alcohol piece itself. Right. But that is where I got to where I needed to be every step of the way to no longer need alcohol. Like the I obsession was gone and you Yes. Because yes. of the, the, um, the work you did to the, for the inner help. So can you, for anyone who doesn't know what somatic work, can you de describe what somatic work is? So basically that is where you, we hold on to trauma in our, in our muscles, in our tissues, and our body holds on to the pain of what has happened to us in a physical way. And the somatic work is basically a releasing, is a working through of releasing that from, literally from, from our tissues. Mm. And you know, for me, anything that happened to me would physically, I would physically feel it in my neck. I would physically feel it in my back. I, I, anytime someone said something and I, my inner child would take it as a judgment, my body would manifest it through pain in my body physically in specific areas. Hmm. Um, I, I had um, gone to a doctor for my brain condition who put his hands on, my, on the back of my neck, which is exactly where I feel all of my pain when I'm in victim mode, when I'm feeling judged, when I'm going into that place that used to drive me to drink. And he put his hands on there and he said, Tanya, I am feeling a, so this was two years ago, a year and a half ago. I am feeling a 37 to 39 year old trauma right here in your neck. Like I never told him I have neck pains back there. Um, it's totally separate from the neurological issue I had. And he put his hand literally right where I feel the tingling. And he said, I feel a trauma that's about 37 years old. And my main traumas that happened were when I was five years old. So I couldn't believe it. So that he could physically feel that that's where I was holding the trauma pain from my childhood. He knew nothing about me at all. He didn't even know that I had been raised in this, like at all. That's so fun. I'm sorry. That's so fucking mind blowing. I'm sorry. I'm Isn't cussing. It? Like this is where like, I, it's just so. Yeah. Yeah. So and he said 37, wild. like literally when I was five years old, that's where it's all documented. Like, and, and wow. I, everything I went through is documented because my dad was um, always planning for legal action if need be. So I have pages and pages and pages of every single trauma 
that was that he knew of. I mean, he didn't even know of a lot of them, but he every trauma he knew. So like, I know at that age was exactly when it was like the worst of the worst. And that when he put his hands on my neck and said that, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. But that's incredible. But is, somatic work. And then does he remove that? Like, does yeah. he just play that? Okay. Yeah. So we work, we work through that. And then also Reiki, um, some of your listeners might be, you know, familiar with Reiki. Uh, this is the thing. There, if there, we, the mind-body connection is so strong. And in the work, so, oh, and I meant to, you asked me about how I got to do what I do yeah. before I forget. So um, I was doing in the interior design. I was staging homes for realtors. And every single time I would work with a client, inevitably they were asking me for emotional support. Yes, we were talking about paint, paint colors. Yes, we were doing fabrics. But at the end of the day, inevitably something happens and they turn to me for personal, a person, they, they, they leaned on me, right? And one, one day something happened and I just thought, you know what? This is what I want to do. I don't want to do the interior design anymore. I want to help people. I had um, majored in psychology in college. Uh, I didn't want to go back to school to be a therapist uh, like I had originally, but I came across life coaching, which was this new concept. Mm -hmm. And I got certified as a life coach. I knew I wanted to focus on women, nothing against men, but for me, it was my journey. And I know the complexity of being a woman um, going through life. And that is what I dove into. So now I've been doing it for, I'd say four and a half years fully. Um, and it is just the most rewarding thing because if I can help one woman feel empowered to not waste another day, like wasting our life, we waste our days judging ourselves and feeling less than other women and comparing ourselves to other women. And God, I mean, the, the pain we put ourselves through and I finally am alive and I want other women to feel alive, not tomorrow when they don't eat a cake or they don't drink the drink or they don't make them feel self feel like crap because they spent the rest of their money on their shopping addiction. Like I want women to feel alive today and not have to continue going through the pain. Um, so that's basically how I got to be where I am now. And I would say I'm working with mostly like a few high school girls, but it's, it's generally like college up. A lot of moms who were like I was in that phase yeah. of, of losing themselves. Well, well, first I have to say thank you for doing what you do because I think it's, it's really, really important work, um, like spiritual work. And the fact that you're dedicating yourself, your life to helping other women, I mean, I... I'll stand on that soapbox that I feel like the women are going to heal this world like together when we're, when our, you know, when we're, our shit is in order and we're healed and we've got that inner alignment and working together and helping other women and 
that not judging ourselves or others, but just seeing the power, the power that we have is as women, um, you know, I, I really feel so strongly in it. And so I have to say thank you for doing what you do because, because this is, this is, um, I think so many women in my experience and my time in sobriety. Um, and I, and I do work a program of recovery and I do dedicate myself every single day working with, um, women in recovery, not like you do, but a lot of what you're saying is very similar to the stuff that I, that I do with other women. And it, and it is what keeps me alive, like alive, meaning like, um, just feeling like I'm doing what I'm, what my soul is supposed to be doing. The Um, service piece, right, Sarah? Like, you know, and then I, and I know enough about steps and I know enough about all of the, you know, protocols that I didn't go through specifically myself. But one thing I know for sure is that when you are in service in your life, so much goodness comes to you yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And that is what you're doing. And that is what I'm doing. And that is actually innately what we were brought here to do is to be of service to one another. But the only way we can be of service to one another is to show up as who we are. And that is another piece of this puzzle is that we're so... We are so apt to turn away from our truth. And when we're not being true to ourselves, we can't share our gifts. Right. Um, I'm in a program right now, an online program, coaching program, and there's like 50 women on there. And when I sit on the Zoom call and I look at all of these women's faces, it literally warms my heart, brings me to tears a bit and warms my heart because these women are all, we're all struggling through the same exact thing with different details. And women don't need to struggle. Like we don't need to struggle. So go back to the alcohol piece. We're working so hard just to feel good, just to love ourselves. And when we can remove something, a drug, whether it's alcohol or another drug or something else that's addiction that's numbing us out, we have the ability to tap into that knowing, back to that like know, like, and trust factor that I was talking about, tap into that inner knowing, that love of ourselves and that trust of ourselves so that we can actually be authentically true to ourselves and give the gift. Yeah that we were meant to give, like we were each brought here to give a gift. And when we're numbing out with addictive behaviors, there's no connecting. Right. And I do think those of us who, um, like you and I, who have been trapped in, in a cycle of addiction, um, as a way to self-medicate and heal the, you know, to, to, to fill a hole or to numb those feelings, but we now have been relieved of that obsession and have done that inner work. We have a perspective that is so yes. important and that e- equals the ability to be compassion, compassionate. And, and I think that is something that bringing 
in that help in the helping profession like yours to be able to be compassionate and understand what your client is going through, I'm yeah. sure is a big piece to that. And um, women can do that so beautifully. Like, and, and I'm sure, you know, I know men can as well, but I'm a woman. All I know is yep. what it's like to be a woman and, and women just like, uh, just again, I'm going back on my soapbox is just feeling that women together can just heal the world. If, if we just understand each other without judgment, um, not judging ourselves, being patient with ourselves as we continue to evolve as spiritual yeah. creatures, you know, having this, having this body experience, you know, like, and, and, and I just am so jazzed up. I know it's such a silly word, but like, I love what you're doing. And I am so, so grateful that I, that we finally got you on today. And it's like no coincidence because there's things happening in my life and some other people in my life that like are so directly correlated to what we're discussing today. So I just can't wait for people to listen to this particular interview because, and also to know where to find you, because like you said, like there are lots and lots of programs out there to help you get sober. Um, I'm sure there's programs just to help you like stop drinking, but you know, I know in my experience, I, I mean, stopping drinking alone was not enough because what was left was that I still had a longing inside of myself, a disconnect that I had with something greater than me. And I realized it was like a coming back home, you know, that is really, I needed. And I, I did find that doing um, the 12 steps. Like I had that a very yeah. profound experience. Um, and, but then there's for you, a life coach where you, you bring a lot of those principles, it seems, and, and your unique power program, P-O-W-A-R program. If, oh, you want to close up with of, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe power. We can... <laughs> so yes, power of women authentically rising. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the name of my podcast that is going to be birthed. It is my manifestation for this year. It's the Power Podcast, and it's going to be much like you. It's going to be women's stories. Um, yeah, and that's the thing is, uh, oh, so where can you find me is um, Tanya Heels on Instagram. Tanya Arupka is my website, tanyaarupka.com. I'm Tanya Bradford Arupka, or Tanya Arupka Life Coaching on Facebook. Um, but just, I wanted to speak really quickly to one thing you just said is the power of women. Um, you know, we're innate nurturers and we nurture everyone else and forget to nurture ourselves and we need to nurture ourselves. Another thing I want to make sure the listeners walk away with is please never, ever, ever judge. And I probably already said this a million times, but never judge where you are, you know, against where somebody else is. And we're meant to go through this. As painful as it feels, if you're suffering today because you drank last night or you did the drug or you did the shopping or whatever, don't judge yourself because you're exactly where you're supposed to be in this very moment. Oh, I love, I love that you said that. That isn't so important for um, women who are listening today that, and I do... <laughs> My analytics tell me, my analytics tell me that 
I have a, a lot more women listening to to this podcast oh, than do. men, but men do listen, um, and and it's um, it's interesting to see that. So, like, to, to I love that you you're you're wrapping, you're closing the loop on this interview by saying, and it's such an important message that it is never, ever, ever too late to, to find, to live a sober life and to go beyond living, just putting the drink down because, oh, I mean the beauty, the beauty of life, right? Like I know you and I can identify and how but that when you're goes. in it. Yeah. But Sarah, you know, well, as well as I do, when you're in it, it seems inconceivable. Shame is shame. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a whole other podcast that we could do. Right. Mm-hmm. So the shame, just be compassionate. You can't block the shame, right? Like I always say, we cannot block the feelings. Shame will come in. Shame is there. Don't try and block it try to combat it with self-compassion, self-compassion for where you are. The shame is hard. I mean, I had so much shame for falling asleep, reading my children, their books or shame for not, not doing the play dates at five o'clock because I wanted to be home with my dumb best friend. Like we could go in a whole other direction with there. The shame is there. The shame will, you will chip away at that shame as you replace with self-compassion and love and understanding and stop judging yourself. And Tani can help you get to that place if you reach out to her. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's, it's wonderful. I am so grateful that um, we had this conversation today. I got so much out of it. And I love connecting with other women like yourself. And I love sending the message out that, like I said, I'm going to repeat it, that it's never too late. It's never, ever too late to give, you are worthy. You are worthy of a better life. And there is so much hope in a recovered life and it's possible, you know, and you have the power you exactly you. If, if we have the power to project manage our active alcoholism or addiction, and because that's tough, that's really hard to do. It is. And we may be powerless to the, the addictive substance or behavior, but we have the power. We have to help understand we do have the power within us to do the inner work, to take, take control of that, what we are powerless to. Right. If that makes sense. It yeah. does make sense. And it may look ugly and feel ugly, but it's temporary because it's like, you know, I feel like you get over a bunch of burning bridges, get to the other side and or bridges, you know, the hot coals you're walking oh, yeah. over and you get to the other side and you've lived through those feelings. So I know those feelings sometimes I know for me felt like I was going to die from the feelings. Well, because we're not feeling, that's the whole purpose of our alcohol, right? Or our substances, we didn't have to feel the freaking feelings. And all of a sudden, someone's, we're like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Then you have to feel the feelings. So it's through the discomfort that you find the joy. Through the the discomfort, we feel the joy. Oh gosh, beautiful. Tanya Arepka, thank you so much again. You are welcome. So honored to be here. Thank you, Sarah. And I hope you have the greatest day of your life today and enjoy the rest of your time where you're at. And I'm really, really happy. Um, we've connected 
I consider you a friend now and I look forward to, yeah. to watch you continue to grow in your podcast. Yay. That's so exciting. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Have a terrific day. Well, there you go. There you have it. Another life completely changed because of the omission of just one thing, alcohol. And also some deep dive digging into the inner realm of our existence. Throwing out the trash that's useless in our lives, that gets in the way of helping others. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. And if you are, I would be so grateful if you would hit subscribe so that you could um, get the, the newest episodes right off the bat as soon as I push that button. Launch, or what do I push? I push a button that launches it out into the podcast world. And you'll be the first one to get notified if you help if you hit subscribe and by hitting subscribe you are helping me and we are working together to make it easier for people to find this podcast it does something with the algorithms I'm not sure what because I'm not a techie but so I've been told and I've been encouraged to make this request (laughs) so that um, we can reach more people and people can find us more easily because the stories on this podcast I think are very helpful and I know that when I was early on in recovery and even to this day hearing stories of inspiration of lives changed really helped me stay sober and continues to so I'd love it if you hit I know iTunes is the place where most of you go some of you go to Spotify if you need help figuring out how to subscribe just shoot me an email at sobergratitudes at gmail.com or visit my website sobergratitudes.com or you can visit me at my Instagram account which is sober underscore gratitudes I recently dropped podcast at the end just made it a little bit easier sober underscore gratitudes and I always appreciate hearing from from everyone so if um if you're struggling today if you need to hear it you're not alone this too shall pass you are loved and if you really need help if you're struggling please reach out, reach out to somebody because there's so many people that want to help you. We need community to combat addiction. I know that's what I need. So you all have the best day of your lives and until next time, take care.